Hello, uh, my name's Neville, one of the leaders here at Emmanuel, uh, and I want to just do a quick um, notice to you before we get into our preach series uh, called The World Turned Upside Down from the Book of Acts. And uh, just to say a big welcome to you if you're here from the Shoreham site, or if you're listening to me at Oasis, or at the Villa site in Hove, or at New England, uh, you're very welcome. And I want to just say to you that we ran a gift care campaign, I think it was late November last year, and I want to say today, I'm thrilled to announce that we've actually managed to reach just over £120,000. Uh, we had to delay a bit announcing because of the intervention of Christmas. I want to thank you for your generosity. It's wonderful to be part of such a generous uh, community of people. And thank you so much for that. Just want to add that we, uh, as I said, I think, back when we did the care campaign, God is leading us into more and more things as we help those affected by poverty in the city and all around us. And uh, we, we kind of set a plan out. We were believing God that it would be great to get 138,000. So we've reached just over 120. I want to say to you, it's not too late to give. If Christmas has intervened, the busyness of life, and you just say, oh, I haven't even, haven't even given into that yet. Uh, or maybe you think, yeah, I want to go again. It'll be great to get as close as we can to that 138. I want to thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, if you're thinking, how do I do that? Well, we are emmanuel.com uh, forward slash care will be the place to go. Uh, and as we go into the second half of this year, or sorry, as we continue to go through the first half of this year, in March, we'll, we'll go again with a gift campaign for everything we're doing here at Emmanuel. And then in the summer, for everything we're doing overseas and outside of ourselves, as we seek to establish and strengthen church plants that we're involved with. Uh, God bless you, and let's now get back into the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is an extraordinary moment in history. Okay, what you just let me set the scene. You've just heard read out uh, these verses uh, in chapter one and uh, verse six through 11. And last week we, we looked at the verses surrounding that. So what's happened? Jesus is risen from the dead. He's appearing to his disciples. He's kind of eating with them. He's talking with them. He's spending time with them. And what we're reading about now is that actually we've read in these verses, he ascends before them to heaven and he before he does that he gives them this promise uh, of the spirit coming upon them and these are momentous things and uh, we've called this series turning the world upside down because from this first chapter of acts by the time we've only got to chapter 17 paul and some others they're in thessalonica and what happens is they get dragged before the church, before the, the town authorities, and it's said of them, these are the men that are turning the world upside down. 
And what we're going to look at today, this particularly focus on this verse 8 of chapter 1, where the, the Spirit is promised that he will come with power upon them. That's the only explanation I can give for just a few chapters later. They're kind of being arrested and people are saying of them, these people are turning the world upside down. So these are momentous events and we're still feeling the effect of it today in Brighton in the 21st century. This is a narrative of the birth of the Christian church and the continuing work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot happening in these few verses we've just read out today. They're very they're of profound importance. Uh, I'm only going to mention the ascension briefly, and I'm going to focus very much on verse 8, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. The ascension's important, and I'll just say this, it's important because what happens is Jesus bodily ascends before them into heaven, where he's now, and he is today still, the ascended uh, great shepherd, mediator, king, lord of lords. He's ruling, he's ascended now, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, and he's head over the church. And he can now apply, if I can use the word, maybe the benefits, the effects of who he is and what he did everywhere through people like you and me who accept him into our lives. This is the amazing thing. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, this ascended Christ... Is, is, is giving gifts to the church. It's, it's now with this descendant Christ. He gives gifts to the church. And in Ephesians 4, it, it talks about the form of ministries, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But here we're talking about this Jesus uh, who's going to give the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity working together. And we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit today. So verse 8 is critical uh, really for the book of Acts, because it, it's, it's almost like a mission statement for what's going to happen and what will continue to happen. Uh, see, verse 8, let me just read it. You've just heard it. Let me read it again to you. Verse 8 says, but Jesus is saying this to his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what I want to do today is simply unpack this verse. What's the significance for us today as we seek to follow Jesus? And uh, there's three words, I guess three points, uh, all beginning with the same letter. The words power, the word purpose and the word plan power, purpose, and plan. So let's just work our way through this one verse today. So power. So it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that, again, that word power could kind of be a literal translation into the Greek would be strength or might or the ability to achieve things through applying God's power in your life. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and now we have supernatural spiritual strength and resources that come from the very throne of God. That's what this word power means here. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, the Holy, let's talk about the Holy Spirit just for a minute because the Holy Spirit uh, 
can be, and I've seen it in my own life, it can be a bit of a divisive subject. I think what I find is people can have very different roles on the view of the Holy Spirit. For some, uh, he can make us a little bit nervous, uh, often through experience or a sense of, uh, I'm going to be out of control, or the Holy Spirit will do things through someone else and it's just weird and I don't understand what it is. It's like the Holy Spirit I've seen shows up and everything's out of control. And it can make us very wary of the things of the Holy Spirit. We can often feel happier with God the Father, Jesus the Son, uh, and our Bibles. But no, no, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we just need to look. We need to just rest for a moment and look at who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, because Jesus is promising power when the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, I would say for others, maybe, maybe it's easy to elevate almost the, the role of the Spirit uh, above something which the Spirit doesn't give to himself. Okay, the, the Spirit comes to reveal the things of Jesus. He always points to Jesus. And then there might be questions about, well, do we, do we need to keep being filled with the Spirit? What, what's going on here? Is this is Acts 1, verse 8, for us? Or is it for these 120, these special people here in Acts 1? That's a good question to ask. A good question also is, well, is this a conversion or is it later? What, what's this? You see, it's important to understand that in order to receive Christ into your life, and become a Christian or a follower of Jesus and have spiritual understanding of your own sin and wrong before God and how Jesus comes and takes and pays the price for you that you might now have access to God, that is a work of the Spirit. So when you give your life to Christ and you understand really your own condition, how Christ is your only hope and your only saviour, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. But what I say is this, we're going to look just at the, even at the book of Acts, just the book of Acts, we're going to work our way through a few examples and go, well, was this just a one-off in Acts 1-8 or did it seem to happen in other places? And what does that mean for us today? And what about me? What about my own life? What would I say about this? It's important. So let me just go through some, let me just go through examples. Uh, so in Acts 2, at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at this we're going to look at this next week, what happens. So Jesus says, wait, go and wait for the Spirit, and then the Spirit's going to come on you in power. Well, next week, we're going to look at what happens. And it's a separate event. So these, these people aren't getting saved here. They're already followers of Jesus. And at the beginning of Acts 2, the Holy Spirit's going to come on them. And we're going to look at what that means and what happens. If we just move forward, uh, Acts chapter 8 Verse 12, uh, Philip is in Samaria and it, and it says in verse 12, uh, they believed and, baptized, and were baptised, that's in water. And then Peter and John hear about this. They arrive uh, in Samaria in, in verse 15 and 16. And what it says is that Peter and John arrive and then they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. That's interesting. That sounds a bit like this and then what happens at the beginning of chapter 2 of Acts. Followers of Jesus, and then the Spirit seems to come and fall on them. 
People pray for them, that to happen. Peter and John turn up. And then it says in verse 17, the next verse, they received the Holy Spirit. Interesting, that's clearly happening then after salvation has taken place. If we, if we, if we go on then through the, through the book of Acts, uh, we go to chapter 9. Uh, in verse 3, three through, through 6, this is Paul's own conversion. We see him getting, um, conf Christ confronts him, throws him to the ground. Uh, and clearly has a conversion experience with Christ in verse three through six. And then what happens is he's kind of blinded. He's knocked out. Three days later, Ananias prays for him, who's sent by, the, by God. Ananias prays for him in verse 17 to receive the spirit. It says, Ananias says, I've been sent in verse 17 of Acts 9. I've been sent, Paul, to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, so Paul, you, 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 gave your, you encountered Christ, you gave your life to Christ three days before, and now this guy Ananias has been sent, up, sent to you by God, and part of what he's doing, he's going he's to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ah, so the Holy Spirit's at work, Paul, when you received Christ and understood who he was, and now the Holy Spirit's falling on you. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seems to be a second thing happening again. We move forward to next chapter, Acts chapter 10, the house of Cornelius. It says in verse 44 that the spirit fell on them as they were hearing the gospel. So this is, this is different. This seems to be immediate. It's not the same thing. So it's like the gospel's being preached. They're getting revelation of who Christ is and the spirit's falling on them at the same time. It's kind of immediate, happening at the same time, but they're different things again. In verse 45, it says the Jews were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit being, is being poured out even on the Gentiles. Something wonderful is happening here. In verse 46 of Acts 10, he goes on to say, for they were here, well, why were they amazed? Because they were hearing them speak in tongues, so probably other languages, and extolling God. Worship was put, we're going to hear more about this next week. You see what happens, this, this tongues, what is it? We'll look at it next week. And they're giving praise to God. That's what the Spirit is. The Spirit's coming on them and praise is pouring out of them to God. And then verse 47, Peter says, can anyone withhold, well, they haven't been baptised in water, you see. So they, they've heard the gospel, they've given their lives to Christ, the Spirit's fallen on them. But I haven't been baptised in water yet. So Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? The same thing is happening. This is the same thing as we're reading about today. In Acts 1, 8, this is what Jesus is promising. It's what we're going to see next week. The same thing's happening here in Acts chapter 10. We go on to Acts chapter 19. Paul's in Ephesus. And he meets some, he meets some uh, what are called disciples, and he, and he starts asking them questions. And he says in verse 2 of Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't that interesting? Did you receive the Spirit? Well, it's a strange question because we've just, the Spirit is active in regeneration and bringing an understanding of Jesus in order to receive him. But Paul's saying, no, no, did you receive the, did you receive the Spirit? when you believed. 
and then they talk and then they get they, Paul says Paul has to explain re-explain the gospel to them and then they receive the gospel again as Paul explains it to them they get baptized in water and then he lays hands on them and the spirit falls on them and it all happens in quick succession but it's separate seems to be very clear there's just these few examples I've given you it's a separate separate thing is happening to the actual conversion experience and what about you say well I'm I, I yeah I've received the Holy Spirit what is that it well let me say this in in uh, Ephesians 5 18 uh, Paul says do not be drunk with wine but rather be filled with a spirit and if you look at the Greek construction of that sentence, it's what we would call the present continuous. Again, a literal translation would be, don't get drunk on wine, rather keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on being prayed for by people to receive the Holy Spirit. Keep on asking for more of the Holy Spirit. We'll say a lot more about this next week. You see, you see there was a moment in my life when I gave my life to Christ when I was 16, some years later when I got prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit to come upon me in power. And that happened, I can remember it clearly, and it completely changed my life. Completely changed my life. There was a joy within me that was so much greater than anything I had before. There was a clarity about what Jesus had done for me that I just hadn't had before. There was an ability to to speak about Jesus that I hadn't had before. It just changed my whole life. It was wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. You see, is there a difference between having the Holy Spirit living with you and walking with Jesus every day and having the Holy Spirit come on you? Is it, what, what are we saying here? See, in my life, there was a difference. Some of you will know... Um, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a Methodist minister, uh, preached in the pulpit at Westminster Chapel for many years. He was a man who had the Holy Spirit come on him, and he often talked about it. Very serious man in many ways, but very clear on this. I'm just going to read um, what he says, because he talks about what is it like to be clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a man who is very serious in what he does. And he says this, he says, the fuses of love are so overloaded, they almost blow out. I think, is this, is this Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writing this? The fuses of love are so overloaded, they almost blow out. The subconscious doubts that occasionally come are gone. And in their place is utter and indescribable assurance so that you really know that God is real and that Jesus lives and that you are loved. And that to be saved is the greatest thing in the world. And as you walk down the street, you can scarcely contain yourself and you want to cry out, my father loves me, my father loves me. Oh, what a great father I have. That's what it's like to be clothed with power from on high. A driving out of any doubt, of any lack of assurance or gladness of heart, an overwhelming sense of God's delight in his children. 
oh, hallelujah, I read that. I thought, oh, God, I want more of that. I know something of that, I do. I thought, wow, this is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writing it. This is the Holy Spirit's work. He's talking about this, 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 this assurance, this joy. It's different. There's no certainties now. It's like it's bubbling out. It's what the coming on of the Spirit does. So are you thirsty for this? Maybe you're cautious. Maybe you think I'm not good enough. Maybe you think it's not for me. I couldn't live up to this. Maybe you're fearful. I'm going to look in more detail at this next week. I just want to say to you, just talk to God about this. If you're th- just say, God, if this is real, if this is for me, I want you to make me thirsty for this. If you know about this and you've kind of been very distracted and busy, maybe for years, I want you to come back with a hunger and say, God, keep on filling me with your spirit. So that's power. The second thing then in this verse, Act 1, 8, is, is purpose. Uh, so what's going on here? So, so the point, that's point one, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us. And it, is that for us? I've asked the question. And now, well, what's it for? So it's great. Is it just for me to feel good? Well, yes, that, it's, that's partly what happens. But there's, there's purpose here because it says, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is given for a specific purpose that we should be his, Jesus's, witnesses. And let me just give you a very quick oversight or an overview of how I think this Holy Spirit coming on us helps us to be Jesus' witnesses. Three quick things. The first thing is this, very important. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus. That's what Scripture says. He will come to reveal Jesus. This is spiritual revelation. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Wow. The Holy Spirit talks about as our comforter, as our helper, the one who comes alongside us to reveal Jesus, to cause truths to come alive, as we heard just now from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. They're, they're so alive, we, we can't hold back. Because, we, oh, can this be true? Yes, it is. It's amazing. Jesus is the end of my searching. I've got nowhere else to go. Look what I found, this treasure. Can't believe it. The Holy Spirit, first of all, if we want to be witnesses for Jesus, if we want to be really good witnesses for Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit to come and keep revealing Jesus to us. Jesus is my treasure. There's nothing better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more amazing than that Jesus would come to live on the inside of me. And the Bible says, I'm now hidden in him. I'm found in him. This great light has now shone on me and I've got life forevermore. And one day I'm going to be with him forever and see him face to face. If you really, that grips you, you'll be a better witness for Jesus. Second thing the Holy Spirit does, he empowers us. He empowers us to live a life that reveals and shows that Jesus is Lord. You see, we do have the power now to say no to things. See, the Holy Spirit comes. What happens is he changes us on the inside. You see, there are now things that I don't do that I used to do. There are places I don't go anymore. And there's things I don't spend my money on anymore. And there's things I don't look at anymore. 
Because what's happened is the Holy Spirit is in me. It's very interesting. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul writes and says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That means kind of walk around each day. Walk around each day. Go on your walks through your life. Yes, okay, walk, but walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Wow. See, as a pastor, you get asked to pray for, pray for people who are saying, I can't, I'm I, I just doing things I don't want to do. See, the Bible talks about this struggle with the flesh we have. People say, just pray for me, just pray for me. Just, just. Now, often you, people do need to, we need to be strong. Okay, we do. We need self-discipline, but that will never be enough. It will never be enough. See, the Holy Spirit, what Paul's saying is, if, if you walk with the Holy Spirit, with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, if you get up in the morning each day and say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in my life. Thank you you're alongside me. Thank you I can walk through this day with you with me, revealing the things of Jesus to me. Thank you and thank you that, that if I do that, if I let you walk with me, then I'm not going to gratify the desires of the flesh and do things that I don't want to do. In verse 18, just two verses after that verse I read from Galatians 5, it says, Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, just being under the law, being told, don't do this, don't do that, stop doing this, it's not enough. But if the Holy Spirit comes, starts revealing how, how Jesus loves you, how amazing his love is, this gospel of grace on your life, the mercy you've been shown, it starts to change you on the inside and your motivations start to change, and you think, well, of course I'm not going to do that, because I love Jesus too much. I love what he's done for me, his grace on my life. The Spirit starts to change you on the inside, and you become a better witness for Jesus, because people watch our conduct. How do we live our lives? What decisions do we make? How do we help others? What do we, what do, we do? It gets watched. If you want to be a witness for Jesus, and the whole, allow the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual revelation about the wonder of the gospel and what's happened to you. Walk with the Spirit and it will change the way you conduct your life and the decisions you make. The third way the Spirit helps us to be a witness, he gifts us. The power comes on us, not just to do the right thing, but to do ministry like Jesus did. John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is saying as we live out our lives, as we serve the poor, as we spend time, these are the unglamorous things, but they're things we do, the unglamorous things. We serve the poor, we spend time with the sick, we help those in trouble, we weep with those who weep, we love the unloved. This is how the, Jesus, the ministry of Jesus is multiplied together with expecting and praying for miracles and breakthrough and power to change situations. The Spirit helps us do both. Spirit, power comes and you pray for the sick. Power of the Holy Spirit's on you. You pray in the name of Jesus. Believe for words of knowledge that, that you're given spiritual gifts because God so loves people, he helps you reach them. He says things about them that no one else would know and they go, surely God's here. How did that happen? You expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Church, let's get, up in the, let's get up in the morning as individual followers of Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, not only do I want you to help me, 
my conduct today, where I go, decisions I make, what I spend my money on, help me, let faith come on me, lead me to the right people, help me to say the right things, help me to do ministry like Jesus did that will change lives. Words, actions, lifestyle are all witnesses for Jesus. Help me share the gospel in the right way, in a way that really reaches and breaks through and changes lives. This is how the Holy Spirit, we witness under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what this coming on of the Spirit helps us do. We begin to do ministry as Jesus did it. Walking, working, loving the least, as well as expecting breakthrough and miracles. Sharing the gospel with those around us. Okay, so power through the coming on of the Spirit. What's the purpose? Well, be my witnesses. And we've looked at how the Holy Spirit helps us. The third one is plan. So what's it all for? So it says this. Well, be my witnesses. Well, okay, okay, what's coming next? Well, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. You see, I think we can apply this to our lives. As they were to start in Jerusalem and then they break out, mainly because persecution comes on them, and the more persecution that comes, the more the gospel spreads. It's true with us, I think. We start with our family. We start with our friends. We start with work colleagues. We start with those we know. But we don't know where God will lead us. We don't know what God will do with our lives. And the Holy Spirit then starts to compel them in the book of Acts, and they get out to Judea and Samaria. And then by the end of the book of Acts, Paul's in Rome. He's in Rome. And look what follows for 2,000 years, the ends of the earth. We are, my friends, we are the fulfillment of this verse. I am my own life. Look back in my family for generations, the day that God broke into my family generations back. Fulfillment of Acts 1.8. That's why I'm standing here now telling you about this. Because the Holy Spirit has come in power in Acts 1 on his followers that they might be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that's why I'm standing in the middle of Brighton talking about Acts 1.8 because that's what's happened in my family. It's a fulfillment of this verse. So that's what's, if you receive Christ, you are a fulfillment of this verse. This is what's happening. See, our friends, as a church, as Emmanuel Church, we, we've got a history. It's in our DNA, if you like. We must take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We can't hold on to it ourselves. It must go. We must. That's what we do. That's what we've always done. That is what we will continue to do. For some of us, that will mean taking it to the ends of the earth. For some of us, it means taking it to our work colleague. It's different. God has different callings on different people. But as a body, as a people together, no, we send to the ends of the earth as a corporate community united in Christ. Okay, no, can we take the gospel to the whole world? Can we do it? Isaiah 9, 7 says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There's no end. I'll be able to get up and read that to you after Easter and again in September and again in however many years' time. <laughs> It'll be the same. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. What's our part in this? Let's run into these things. I say, oh God, help us. Help us to play our part. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, says this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed where? Remember he's saying this. It's such a tiny thing then. 
What were they thinking? Such a tiny thing. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. So that all nations, that means all ethnic groups may hear it and then the end may come. Think, well, what are we about, church? We're about going to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest news. That'll do people the most good. That'll be the end of their searching. That'll bring them such joy and peace and life. So what we're going to do it must be proclaimed throughout the whole world. That these ethnic, every ethnic group may hear it and the end will come. It's interesting, ethnic groups, I, I just did a bit of a study on it. How close are we to this? Well, that this reckon there are over 7,000 uh, known languages today. And here's this, out of 7,000 known languages, only 730 approximately have a complete Bible. Only about 10% have a complete Bible translation. About 2,300 languages out of the 7,000 have access to the New Testament. There's over 3,000 languages that by the Bible is in translation. And there's about one in five people today who don't have a Bible in their own language. Oh God, God help us. There's a job to do. Jesus must be proclaimed through the whole world so that all nations may hear it. That's what we're doing, my friend. So let's do it. As we go into another year in 2024, it's not for pressure to come on, pressure to come on. This is grace. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to come and help you to be my witnesses. Wow. Power of God is coming on us and comes on us to help us. Something we've got to struggle through ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit come on us. Friends, let's, let's, let's go to this city. Let's go to our work colleagues. Let's go to our friends. Let's go to our family. Let's go to those around us. Let's go to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come next week, as I said, thirsty. If you want more of this spirit, the Holy Spirit work amongst his church and amongst his people. God bless you.